following program contains language and subject matter that is adult in nature. Discretion is advised. Okay, there we go. This is Ugly Phil. What are you waiting for? Do it! Triple M. Now, I'm not in the studio. I'm actually outside the men's toilets. And I'll tell you why. Because I read an article in the paper that said, if you want to get the truth out of someone, you've probably got to catch them with their pants down. And I didn't mean that literally, but I'm actually going to take that literally. There's a guy that's just started work here, and his name's Tim. And I've noticed he's just headed off into the men's toilets. So I'm going to go in there. I'm hoping that he's doing number twos. And then I'm going to ask him how he's enjoying his time at Triple M. So I'm going to go into the toilets now. Hopefully you can hear me and I don't cut out when I'm on my way in here. Somebody in here? Hello. Hi, who's that? It's Tim. Hey Tim, how are you going? Oh, uh, yeah, man. Good, mate. It's Phil, Ugly Phil from the Rubber Room, nighttime show. Yeah, hey, mate. How are you? Good. How are you enjoying Triple M? Good, mate. How long have you been here for now? Um, only a, few, only a couple of days. Couple of days? Yeah. And how's your boss? Um, yeah, yeah, she's good, mate. Oh, you got a female boss, haven't you? Yeah. That's Julie, isn't it? Yep. What do you think of her? Sorry, mate. What do you think of Julie? Yeah, she's, she's great. She's great. Yeah. Oh, so you, you, you're having a, a shit in there? Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to catch you. <laughs> Uncomfortable. Yeah, no worries, it's, it's all good. Well, maybe I'll catch you around the office. Yeah, it'd be good. You should come over and have a chat. My desk is right up near Jamie's desk. Oh. All right, well, I'll see you around. Just getting back to Julie. Yeah, mate. She's quite attractive, I thought. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm not, you know. I wasn't going to do this. <laughs> oh, no, I just wondered what you thought of it, that's all. I mean, I know she's, what, mid-40s? Uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to, yeah, I need to concentrate. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, don't force it, because that's how you get the hemorrhoids. Okay. Yeah, it's very thin paper, so... No, it's lousy toilet paper, cheap hands. <laughs> yeah, shit. Yeah. All right, well, I'll see you out there. Well, it's good to talk to you, Tim. Yeah. So don't forget to wash your hands, buddy. <laughs> Have a good weekend. You too. There you go. That was Tim, new employee here at Triple M, and uh, seems like a nice guy as well. How about we play? Oh, hello. How are you? Hello. Hello. Have a good weekend. Bye, Danielle's on the phone. Let's get to this baby naming phenomenon. They all mean the same. They just mean I didn't hear you the day you told me your name. So, Danielle, let me get this right. Parents are calling their kids after internet filter names. Is the person doing this Kanye West? <laughs> well, it's more than just Kanye West. There are a number of Instagram filters and tools that are going up in the baby names list. So they've found that 75% increase in the use of the name Lux for boys. Lux. And a 42% increase in the name Ludwig for boys. Parents were really into German soap then. Yeah. See, I think before the Instagram. 
That's right. Some of these names have other meanings, obviously. So Amaro is up for boys as well, but that's also an Italian digestive after dinner liquor. So maybe <laughs> that's what they were really using as their inspiration. Why would people become so attached to an Instagram filter? Well, I think the thing is that people are using those names and they maybe haven't heard them in common use before they were Instagram filters. And so they're in your mind. You may not be thinking, I would like to name my child after an Instagram filter. Yeah. But they're part of the millennial kind of person's mind and those people are naming their babies after the things they find around them and find enjoyable. Maybe it's just that Instagram is sort of riding the wave of popularity of those filter names. Yeah, I think it's absolutely true. Oh, hang on a second. iPod, iPod, put that down till mommy gets home. Just talking to my kids. If I had a kid, and I don't, I'd probably call it transgender. That way, if it does want to change its mind afterwards, you know, it'll be okay. Definitely on trend for the moment, but in 20 years' time, would it still be, mean the same thing? Yeah, well, that's exactly right. Name your kids after planets. Uh, look, definitely we're seeing that, actually. Really? Stellar is up. We're finding that Sunny is becoming more popular. Venus. I think that people are looking to the stars and planets for inspiration now, too. Could you call a kid Neptune? I'm not sure Neptune's on the rise. No, because I want to be original, you know. You couldn't call a kid Mars, could you? Look, I'd be surprised if we didn't get a whole lot of Star Wars names in the next year. Lucas is definitely up. Ask your brother Chewbacca. (laughs) Some more practical than others. (laughs) You're listening to the Rubber Room Podcast. You can listen to us weeknights, 7 to 10 p.m. on Triple M. There's a new iPhone. How excited are people going to be? They're going to queue up for days, you know that. It's smaller, though. Is it any good? Let's get to the technology department at the Rubber Room with Trevor Long. Want to make an outgoing telephone call? There's a button for that. Want to accept an incoming telephone call? There's a button for that. Trevor, is the new iPhone any good? You remember the iPhone 5 and 5S about yeah. two and a half, three years ago? I'm still it's using exactly mine. exactly the same phone. <laughs> really? So it's the same phone on the outside. It looks the same. If you put it on the desk, you'll think it's the same. But it does come in a couple of extra colours, the gold and the rose gold. But right. what they've done is chucked all of the insides of the 6, so the smart, fast processor, the camera, all the bits and bobs that make it a, a great phone, and they've put it inside the body of the old 5, and they've invigorated it by bringing it back. There is now a 4-inch screen on the market that is the performance that we'd expect today. So what they've done is create a A screen sizes, so the SE has the 4-inch screen, and then up to your 6 and your 6 Plus, there's a huge range of screen sizes. Plus, price-wise, this thing's going to start at 679 That is probably the cheapest iPhone I've seen. So it's actually a bloody good deal as well. OK, but here's the thing. People bought the new phone because it had a bigger screen and they can watch stuff in a widescreen fashion, uh, albeit in your palm. Wasn't that, you know, the selling point of the last one? Yes, lots of people did. But also, lots of people are still carrying around the old five and lots of people didn't go up because they didn't want the bigger phones. Yeah. I think Apple sold something like 30 million across the world, 30 million smaller screen iPhones last year. So they're still being sold. They're still a, a very popular phone. I think they'll sell quite well because a lot of people just don't want a bigger phone. No, you're right. It doesn't fit in any of the pockets. Whenever I'm going out, I have to only wear one jacket and that's no good for fashion. But is it a better phone than the previous one and does it have better things? It's only a better phone than the last 5 and 5S. It's right. not a better phone than the 6S that's on, on sale now as, as their flagship phone. And later in the year, there'll be a 7, which is uh, even many, many leaps and bounds better than that again. So it's on par with what's already on the market in terms of Apple, but it's a smaller screen. Later in the year, it'll be superseded in performance, but it'll still be a great phone. Right, Mrs Ugly was telling me something about the watch as well, which she wants to get. Have they put a new watch out? They've not put a new watch out. They've reduced the price slightly, and they've put out a bunch of new bands. So... Uh, Okay. You can get her a black Milanese loop. 
band. Is it expensive? Well, the band probably is. The Melanese Loop is one of the more expensive ones, so you might need to do a couple extra shifts, mate. Exactly. Well, if anybody gives you a second-hand one that I can pass off as new, you know, let me know. Yeah. (laughs) Mrs. Mrs. Ugly will love that. Yeah. Good to touch you. Trevor Long, the rubber room technology man. Gazza with more goss and further updates about the rifle that Kurt Cobain used. Uh, go to triplem.com.au to see the photos of that. It's basically because of the recent 20th anniversary of his death and uh, one of the guys working in Seattle Police uh, said he'd be reviewing the case file and found all these uh, photos that have never been published and figured that you know it was worth releasing to the public. And it's also because CBS also asked for a Public Records Act. This is not the first time. But it's taken 22 years to pull the rifle out and go, no, it's still here. Why didn't they just do that ages ago? It's not just about the rifle, it's about the photos. I mean, there's a whole lot to this case that yeah. is still really murky. I would like you to have done that preferably in your Columbo voice. You know. There's one more thing. My ah. wife, she loves Nirvana. It seems to me that the photo of the driver's license... Actually, that was the worst Columbo. Can I call you Phil? There are <laughs> Yours something... is as bad as mine. Here's Tom Grant, the man who's still investigating it. The fact that we know that when someone is missing and things just don't make sense right from the beginning, you know, that people are lying to us, there's always a reason behind a lie. As we were walking down the hall, I turned to Ben, and this is represented in the film, and I said, we're going to document everything. We're going to record all phone conversations. And that's what we did. This is the only case I've ever done that on before or since. Why Why? Why did you leave the... No, I can't do Columbo. That's Professor Julius Sumdamilla. <laughs> a glass why and a half of full cream dairy milk lying next so? to the body. If you want a really good evening of reading, I suggest you go to TomGrant.com and read the uh, Courtney Love Files. Mm, I'm still halfway through How to Lose Weight and Become a TV Star <laughs> by Michelle Bridges. <laughs> You're going to have a baby too? (laughs) How to lose weight, have a baby and win on the stock exchange. (laughs) By Michelle Bridges. You're listening to The Rubber Room Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at The Rubber Room AU. There's going to be a new iPhone. I wonder whether or not Siri will be as good as the last Siri and whether or not we can still make fun of Siri because I don't know if you remember the last time we had our listener on, Steve. It was Steve versus Siri. Who was the lead singer of the band Queen? Freddie Mercury. Here's what I found on the web for who was the lead singer of the band Queen. Not fast enough. Yeah, in your face, Siri. What is the capital of Bulgaria? Oh, Sophia is the capital of Bulgaria. I'm Um, sorry, but she beat you there with the answer, Sophia. So that's one point each. Okay. Michael Hutchins was the lead singer of which band? In Excess. Let me think. Steve's already said In Excess, so it's too late, isn't it? (laughs) Woohoo! What time is it currently in London? The time uh, in London, England, is 7.14am. 7.14am. No, it's too late. She's beaten you to that. Name one Tom Cruise movie. Mission Impossible. I found quite a number of Tom Cruise movies. The humans have won! Yeah! Hey Siri, who is your daddy and what does he do? I've never really thought about it. Hey Siri, there's a party in my pants and you're invited. Oh. Due to unforeseen circumstances, that witticism has been retired. <laughs> so now we've got a new iPhone on the way. I thought it was time to teach Siri new tricks. So tonight, I've taught Siri how to sing Adele's song, Hello. You're going to love this, Sammy X. This is genius. Hello. It's me. I was wondering if after all these years, you'd like to meet. To go over everything. It was made for this song, was it? They say that time's supposed to heal you. 
but I ain't done much healing. Hello. Can you hear me? I'm in California dreaming about who we used to be when we were younger and free. I really should, remind me, I really should get a girlfriend. I'm a bit emotional about that. <laughs> I can understand. Triple M. I, uh, Sammy X, come over here for a second. Okay. Yeah. While I was doing that Siri thing, mm. who was that guy sitting out the side of the studio <laughs> in a suit with a briefcase and he looked like a lawyer and he came over and he sat down right outside the studio and he just, he's had his sights fixed on me and he watched. And he said nothing. He's a nice guy. Who is he? He works down in um, ICT downstairs. Oh, he's not important then. Yeah, he's really, but he's like really, really you, sh you should. Why was he sitting here watching me, man? You know what he reminded me of? What? The smoking man from the X Files. <laughs> he did. He just sat there and he stared at me and said nothing. What? And I thought, what's that? Am I about to be sued? He works in ICT. He spends all his days looking at a computer screen. He's really excited to see another human oh, being. That's probably what it was. All right. Some special guests in the rubber room. Mr. Inappropriate, please do the honours. You know that movie with Matt Damon, The Martian, where he made potatoes to survive on Mars and he grew them by harvesting his own shit? Yeah. That's what I call a living end. Right. That soundtrack could have been done by these guys. Their new album's called The Shift. In the rubber room, it's The Living End. Thanks for coming into the rubber room. We were talking off air a moment ago about how bunches of animals have names, but bunches of human beings don't. I just don't get it. I think it, someone's just tried to be really clever at some point, and it's like <laughs> just way too much time. It's elitist yeah. among the animal populace because you don't say, you know, a different group of human beings are just a bunch of people, right? But when you're an animal, oh, look at us, murder of crows, yeah. pot of dolphins, yeah. herd of sheep. Pack flock, of wolves. Pack flock, of wolves. Flock of, flock of sheep? Flock of seagulls. Flock of seagulls. There you go. There's a great flock of seagulls influence on your latest album. In fact, when I was reading some of the influences, and I love the new song too, by the way. Thank you very much for uh, giving you. us uh, a new song. I read that there was a touch of Squeeze influence. Yeah, Squeeze, UK Squeeze. Yeah, yeah. only known as UK Squeeze, I think, outside of the UK. I think so, yeah. yeah. Oh, they've been a bit of an influence for a few years. Just a cracker of a band. Oh, you know, yeah. kind of, I think they called Glenn Tifford and um, Tilbrook the other Lennon and McCartney because they wrote so many great tunes and had great harmonies and very Beatlesque kind of yeah. melodies. So they just had the perfect kind of marriage, I think, of that post-punk kind of image yeah. and, and energy and just their songwriting is like next level. Tempted by the fruit of a night. Yeah. that one? Great yeah. song. And yeah. the other influence I saw here that I really liked was the Libertines. Great band. Uh, largely unheard of outside of the UK as well. Yeah, well, they sort of came and went pretty quickly, didn't they? Yeah. Just came, caused a big dust storm, and off they went. That was Pete Doherty's band, wasn't That's it? That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You wouldn't want um, him as a well, band member. Well, they did member. go on without him, didn't they? And yeah. then he went on to do whatever that other band was, his his other thing, the Baby Shambles. That's it. That was it, <laughs> by name and by nature. So I think I read that this album was actually finished in July last year. Is that right? Like tracking and everything was done. I feel like they were still doing stuff on it last week. Yeah, <laughs> like mixing fact, and, yeah. and mastering. Everything's taken a long time because everyone lives so far away from each other now. So to make a decision in Australia, we had to wait for Chris to wake up the day before or the night before in LA. Technically, the, the, the record's never finished. You just run out of time. It was December 2014 yep. that we were doing some gigs, uh, Day on the Green gigs with uh, Jimmy Barnes. 
And they were just sort of shows on the weekend, so we thought, we're not just going to sit on our hands all week. We'll get into the studio and see what happens. And it was literally, you know, like that, no preconceived ideas. We'll just get in there and see what happens. So we went with our, our live sound engineer into a little studio that we've done a lot of stuff at in the past, demos yep. and things like that, in Melbourne, and just spent a few weeks laying down some ideas and then going out on the weekend and doing the gigs and coming back. But, you know, a lot of stuff came from that. It was yep. a case of, uh, it was good, but it wasn't great. First and foremost, we had to get it right. So yeah. there was just some songs we were like, you know, it just sounds it sounds like us and it sounds good, but let's really go for something outside of the box for us and sure. just to push ourselves and, and see where we can take it. The Living Ender here, they're going to play live for us as well. The new album's called Shift, and I like from what I've heard, it's a harder sound for you guys as well. There was a couple of tunes that are just maximum energy, and that's we've always wanted to do that. You always want to make that record and have the energy that you have on stage. Yeah. And uh, a good way to do it was to just not know where we were going next and just like, you know, it's like a train Great. train wreck about well, it's to a happen. throwback to the early days of the band anyway, isn't that's it? That's it, yeah. Sort of a revitalised version of the band. We don't feel like we've watered down our sound or anything at all, but this record is, is sort of less produced than, say, the last one was. In many ways, it's a bit of a rebel against that record, particularly with the album being called Shift, whereas yeah. the last one had a novel as a title. Uh, but I've read also that this is um, a very deeply personal album for you. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just the first time that it's uh, we've had a record that's had this kind of personal element to it. It's like really wearing your heart on your sleeve, and it's brutally honest in parts, and, and parts of it are difficult for me to kind of listen to, and it's a oh, bit okay. cringeworthy, but that's why it had to be. There were moments where I would say to the guys, I just don't know about singing that line, and because it's just too close to home, and but it's like that's what you do. That's how you write a great song. People want to hear. Is not by sugarcoating it and stepping around the issue. It's actually just telling it like it is, and sort of making people kind of go, "Oh right, okay, I didn't, I didn't expect that from the living end." We've normally, you know, we've kind of covered things up a little bit, or we've spoken okay. about things happening outside in the world, not necessarily deeply personal. So okay, you know, there's no specifics we're going to get into. I think this it's a song Asshole, this yeah. track off the album. I mean, I don't know who that's about. But... <laughs> it's not a, a grim. I mean, we're making it sound like it's going to be like a Nick Cave record. Or it's not, <laughs> it's not Morrison, dark you know? like that. It's dark in a cool way. It's yeah. kind of like a n- whole other side to the band. And there's an in- there's an intensity there and an, and a, an aggression on some of the tracks that it's real. Will you be doing any clandestine shows beforehand to sort of get your eye back in there? You know, we don't have any plans, but I'm no. thinking we got a book. Because I got a name Andy. for you. Call yourself the Dying Starts. There you go. You know, like so. It's completely. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, I see. Yeah, what you, like, yeah. yeah, we we normally do that before every album. We we go out. We we did actually. We did a like a two week proper regional tour once, didn't we? We've done that more as an exercise of playing the songs before we go into the studio to record yeah. them, just to you know, like to play mm. the new songs before we actually lay them down. Because you always get a different experience playing them in front of an audience than you do when you're playing them in a rehearsal room. Well, thank you so much for coming in. Um, looking forward to hearing the new album. Looking forward to seeing you on tour. Hey mate, it's Phil here at Triple M. Listen, I'm looking for a bunch of CDs. I wonder if you can help me out with these. Okay. Okay. Have you got any um, Exploding Boy? No, I don't think so. Joan of Arkansas? No, I don't think so. Leonard Skinhead? No. Ballpoint Banana? No. The Fierce Nipples? No. Elizabeth Taylor's Husbands? No. Albino Toilet Boys? No. Curious George and the Homophobes? No. Four out of five doctors? No. The Kits Shickers? No, we don't have any of that. Uh, Barnyard Slut? No. Draw Your Own Cow? No. Freud Chicken? How much longer is this list? Got a couple more, if you don't mind. The Muscular Lesbians? No, mate. Lung Mustard? 
No. Kung Fu Dykes. No. Lance Armstrong and the One Ballers. Man, i got things to do. If you've got any of these, you'd really be I'll, doing I'll give you. I'll give you two more. Okay, what about Mary Tyler Morphine? Nah. If pigs could talk, you would still eat them? Nah, mate, that's it. What about... Okay, I'll catch you around, uh, buddy. What about Iron Prostate? <laughs> Homer and the Sexuals. <laughs> Anybody fancy some thumb wrestling? You love me! You hate me! You'll never forget me! Get ready to feel the... Thumb wrestling, Bob. Is there much involved in this or what? As far as we know, there's no real thing of wrestling. It's just uh, the old-fashioned school game yard of thumb wrestling, you know, where you interlock the fingers and then you use the thumbs to battle out the match. How big is it in Australia? Because in Europe they had the world championships and thousands of people turned up. As with everything, it just comes down to the, you know, the population in uh, respective areas and countries, so that kind of dictates the amount of players and people that are interested in it. But... You know, we've we got crew that are interested in it, but, you know, usually kind of just on a fun capacity. There's always a couple of serious diehards, but most crews just end up just for the fun. Are there different weight divisions? It's generally what we do is just basically straight-up male and female division. Um, and it's predominantly, you know, we've got the... You know, you can't do weight divisions, obviously, if it'd be a bit easier for a bigger person against a smaller person. But in saying that too, you know, some wrestling's a bit about, you know, um, offensive, defensive work and oh, yeah. a, bit of, a bit of stealth play, you know, so that can overcome size. But sure. the biggest thing is breaking them down into the, the, the male and female genders and also, you know, it's always usually right-handed because everyone's predominantly right-handed. Who's got the best nickname? The Thumbinator and, you know, there's... there's some, <laughs> the Thumbinator! That's fantastic! Yeah, there's, yeah, there's some pretty um, corny names that come through the ranks, mate. Mate, All great right, to talk to you. Have a great weekend. Thanks for your time, buddy. You too, mate. Bye-bye. Great to find out about thumb wrestling, but more importantly, Sammy X, would you say that that perhaps was the greatest voice that we've had so far this year in the rubber room? It's definitely in the top three. <laughs> yeah, right, okay, yeah, well, anyway, anyway, so your rubber room, it's your limo, yeah, yeah, All right, come on, everybody. You're listening to the Rubber Room Podcast. Find us on facebook.com forward slash MMM Rubber Room. Great to have these guys in. Mr. Inappropriate, please do the introductions. I'm Mr. Inappropriate. I'm a boho mofo with an afro that's so-so, and I drink cocoa with my mate Jojo, but an ice Volvo is a no-no. Anyway, here's Violent Soho. <laughs> I don't know if I should be upstanding when you guys are here, given the you know national anthem thing that happened, you know? <laughs> <laughs> People should be upstanding whenever the words violent Soho were pronounced anywhere. Already two singles off this album. The artwork is brilliant as well, kind of like comic book fanzine style. Pedro Oyubide. Is that the guy that did it? weird name. I was like, you wouldn't have heard of our band because he lives in uh, England. He wrote back and goes, I love your band. I've been listening to them like uh, Hungry Ghost all last week because they really understood... Uh, how to approach the artwork and yeah it's amazing how many fans you guys actually have that you probably aren't even aware of we think of them as supporters because yeah. um you know we're um obviously super uh, grateful to be yeah. you know here talking to you and all these people coming to the shows and singing the words it's crazy dude yeah it's the best, it's the best. we're having the best time well the living end were just here and they were really excited Whoa. that you were here oh, when really? i said you were coming in they're like oh fantastic you know Whoa. so they sat in that chair you yeah. know like chris cheney's buttocks yeah. are where yours are now Get some that's scissors, the wall cut it out. Man, that's it yeah, <laughs> yeah hang it. rub your hand on the seat rub it all over your <laughs> head <and> shit like that <laughs> I can't even believe they know who we are. Though. Matt from the Bronx. Oh, and, uh, oh yeah. Because yeah, you yeah. toured Suffering? with the Bronx back yes, in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
yeah. yeah. We did like, in fact, out of all the bands we toured with, I think over the years, the other band we've played with the most, I think we've done 46 shows with them in total. So yeah. that, that's a lot to play with any one band. We did like 30 in a row in America with them once. He really loved cool. you. Yeah. That's awesome, yeah. What's the significance, if any, behind the title of the album, Wake Up? There's a bunch of names floating around for the record, but that one just kind of... I don't know, stood out. And I guess it's because it's um, really simple and stands on its own. I don't know, it gives the album like just a real identity. I think it reflects the whole, a lot of the songs are about, they're a lot darker yeah. than what we've done before. And yeah, I just think it really gives the album this identity and wraps it up in a nice package. It just, once we actually had the record and listened to it start to back and you know, actually got to take it in, not thinking about how to change it or make more songs or anything like that. Actually taking a finished record, it just, I couldn't think of any other name that. Yeah, yeah. There's, you know, that famous siege in the 90s where there's like, I think it was 50 days. A good metaphor is these people kind of wrap themselves in their own world and create this big illusion to try and control yeah. their world. And a lot of the songs are about kind of control and illusion and these illusions we create for ourselves. I thought it was just because certain members of the band with long hair and beards looked like they could be in a cult. <laughs> well, they could be David Grinch. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I like the idea of it. You know, I want to start a cult just so I can have sex with people's wives. You know, yeah. I can have as many as I want, apparently. You know? I mean, what a brilliant concept for a Only cult. In America. Is. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think we should do it here. Oh. So this is Like Soda. There was a campaign to try and get this song as the national anthem, although Luke, I believe, didn't like the song. Is 100% true. That's uh, true. Yeah. He, sent, he sent us an email, and in it he's like, oh, look, there's a, there's a bunch of songs here. He said, I'm real sorry about the um, the heavier ones. You know, I'm sure there'll be, there'll be better ones to come. And I, I literally wrote back, is this a joke? Like, like Soda Rules, if you ask me, I loved it. And yeah. um, Luke came around eventually. What about the campaign <laughs> yeah. to make it the national anthem, though? I mean, like, where did <laughs> that had come from? That's pretty next yeah. level. Well, when I saw Change.org, <laughs> pop up in my email saying oh we have a petition you might be interested in I was like what's that one yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I can sign this one yeah it's that's pretty next level <laughs> we, like, um, it's so bizarre and random you oh know? man I haven't even learnt the second verse to advance Australia fair <laughs> yeah exactly I'm, you're going to have learnt. to say at the beginning you're going to have to say here's one that's good by sea <laughs> yes come on Australia <laughs> so you've got this huge tour coming up as well, well with DZ Death Race and the June Rats as well the shows have sold out do not yeah. scalp tickets no. buy them legitimately for you and a mate and go and see you guys do the national anthem and all the other songs <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait for the tour and uh, geez I've sold some tickets eh? yeah thank you so much I'm a massive fan of the band so thank you so much for coming in and I love the album and uh, it's great to see you guys Dude, thank, thank you, so, you much. so much so good to see you hey this is James and this is Luke and we're Violent Soho from Mansfield Brisbane you're listening to The Rubber Room with Ugly Phil on Triple M drove into work today and noticed that the butcher around the corner from where I live has a couple of specials on those butchers. Yeah, g'day, mate. It's Phil here at Triple M. I just noticed when I was driving past today, you do smoked meat. Do you smoke your own meat? Yeah, we do. Uh, we've got a smokehouse, not on the premises here, but at our suppliers. Right. You can smoke your own meat there, can you? Yeah, we uh, we smoke uh, a number of exotic meats. We do venison. We do rabbit quail, of course. Uh, really? Some sides of beef. And so it's your own meat that you smoke then? Well, yeah, it's the meat that we get from our suppliers, yeah. yeah. And do you dry rub your meat before you smoke it? Yeah, it depends what it is. We do uh, specialise in special orders. If you're looking at some kind of special order, eh? Can you dry smoke some jerk? Yeah, we could, we could do a run of jerky for you, but yeah. uh, we don't do small runs. I mean, are you looking at... No, if I wanted to order just some jerky, could you smoke my jerky and could you dry rub it first? Depends. We've got a number of different uh, herbs and spice salt mixes. We do an Indian, we do a Thai, right. we do a Tex-Mex. 
really? and just of course a basic salt and pepper, which we rub onto it and prepare it first. Thanks, mate. I'll pop down there and pick it up. Right, mate. That'd be good. <laughs> but now, Mr. Inappropriate, please do the introductions. Six six six. That's the number of the Nikki. Yes, it's Nikki Six in the rubber room. Fans keep doing; they don't stop. My passion was to do something that had all the elements of the rock bands that I loved and the glam bands that I loved in the 70s. And I was inspired by bands like the Buzzcocks and the Ramones and Pistols and stuff. Hi, Phil. You're on with Nikki. Hey, man. How are you? Hi. What's going on? So the final show in Los Angeles, I read that you just got off stage and as you mentioned, as soon as a relationship is over, you kind of move on. Uh, but what were your feelings during those last couple of songs? I knew before I took the stage, I was like walking to the stage and I was happy and I knew, you know, what we were doing. And, you know, it'd been a long time coming. We'd been like working on it, talking about it. You know, everything that we created was around this moment. So to finally, you know, get there, I guess it would be like, you know, a big sporting event is like the Super Bowl in America. America. Yeah. And, you know, to be like finally there playing the Super Bowl, I think you're really like in the moment, to be honest with you, more than anything. You, you got, you want to like really like do your best and kick ass. And I remember when I stepped off stage, I was just like, I felt, I don't know, man, I can't think of another word other than I felt proud, accomplished, almost 35 years of songwriting and all those lyrics and notes and people we played for and it was all there it was man it was like we did it yeah it was fun man it was a good night so i believe there's a live concert film coming out which is going to be simultaneously screened around the world as well which is called the end when can we expect that i'll be honest with you i'm not really sure yet i know we just got finished mixing it yep and uh, all the pieces are in place so i'm sure we'll all be kind of figuring it out here pretty soon i imagine it'll be sometime this year i can't imagine it going too much longer I'm Nikki Six. You are listening to Ugly Phil in the Rubber Room right here on Triple M. The new project called 6AM. I really like what you've done with this too, man. The whole thing started as an accident, to be honest with you. It was a project. We never really intended to be a band. We were writing a soundtrack to a book. And I think the great thing that happened around that is there was no expectation from the band. We didn't have to follow uh, rules or a formula. We weren't even writing songs for radio. It was really only just music to go along to the book. So, you know, when Life is Beautiful came out and it took off, uh, we had an opportunity. We played, I think, 40 shows or so and we only had that one album out and it was very different than a standard rock record we went and played live and people were singing the songs the melodies the lyrics singing along to every single song and you remember we only had one record out yeah of course it was like we were looking at each other and we we're going like we never expected to be a band like it was hard to get it together to go play live because those songs weren't written to be played live and then we kind of i think we kind of discovered ourselves by accident on tour and went we should be a band that's uh, when we wrote This Is Gonna Hurt. What Prayers to the Dam sounds like is what that band sounds like live. When I heard Rise, it's got such a huge sound to it as well. Oh, thank you very much. I mean, we do adhere to so many of the great bands that came before us that were, I guess, arena rock bands. 
We love so much of that stuff from the 70s, but there's a lot of modern music that we like as well. And I think it's interesting with 6AM. Part of it is similar to the ear to like classic hard rock songwriting. Yeah. There's another element to it that is very modern. It's all kind of instinctual. You know, we're not really trying to sound like anybody else. I was reading your Facebook page and there was a guy called Brent who saw you at dinner with your wife at Thousand Oaks and wanted to come up and say hello. And I'm the same when you see someone out in a public place like yourself and you think, this is Nicky Six and, you know, his music means so much to me and I want to go up and say hello, but I know I'm kind of, you know, in his personal space. But the guy came up and he said he had a quick chat with you and he said that you were a really classy guy and, you know, thanked you for speaking to him as well. Uh, when people started telling me what the words meant to them, great rock songs are such a gift. You, know, you turn on a radio or however you get your music and you're like, wow, man, that is badass. Without the right message, it only connects partially. You know, I mean, you shake your ass, you can stomp your foot, but if your heart can't connect to what the singer is singing about, it's not 100% there. And those, those few occasions when that happens, that becomes your favorite band. You know, and I had that experience with Queen and Bowie and Elton John and T-Rex. And I have a lot of people come up to me and they just say that, you know, they relate. I've always just wanted to share my life because I don't really think it's that different than yours. I'm just putting it in a piece of music. I don't ever want to, like, not meet that person. I think that's the icing on the cake. It's always a pleasure, man. The new album's called Prayers for the Damned, out April 29. Thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you very much, man. We'll see you when we get over there. Let's go to New York City on the Skype with Dogman Peter Kane. How are you, Peter? I'm doing good, Phil. How the f*** are you? Good to talk to you, although I'm a little bit perturbed and put off by the fact that I can see you. You're sitting there in the dark wearing a very large coat. Uh, actually, it's a sweater. But I can't see you, dude. You could be doing something strange. I don't know. <laughs> I had a question from one of the girls that works around the office. Right. Can you train a cat? Absolutely. Listen, a lot of people use purely positive methods for training dogs and cats. I don't find that that's effective. I find that you have to use a negative with the cat, meaning you can use water. Like say you don't want the cat to go on a couch, you can use a squirt gun. Right. They also make vibrating devices that you can put on the cat's neck and you can indicate a negative with the vibrating collar, right? You don't want to use a shot collar, but yeah, you can you can absolutely train a cat. I really don't recommend feeding cats canned cat food. You know, a lot of people do that and you can start training the cat to come when it's called just by popping the can open or like they hear the refrigerator open if you're feeding them a raw diet yeah. and just start saying the cat's name and then the cat's coming towards you while it's saying the name and then just say, that's what you used to call the cat. You know, it's like Buck, Buck, Bucky. You know, yep. that's how I call my cat. You can train them to sit. You can train them to do everything just about a dog can do and more. Why don't cats respond to their name? And the way we talked about this last week that the name doesn't really mean anything. But why can you call a dog, hey, Ben, come over here and it comes straight away and you can say to a cat, hey, Stanley, Stanley. Stanley. That's simple because most people don't train cats. We see a lot of problems with dogs because, you know, behavioral issues with dogs, dogs get super aggressive, but with cats, you know, they don't generally attack people. All pets need to be trained and they should all be trained with obedience commands, meaning if the dog, cat, or bird doesn't comply, you need to make sure that the dog, cat, or bird understands what it needs to do and what's expected of it. And I love how when you've tickled a cat 
and the cat no longer wants the tickling, instead of just getting up off your lap and walking away, it has to bite you to remind you that it's time to stop tickling. You know, they're very intelligent creatures and they can function. They do function different than dogs, meaning they're sort of territorial. Cats should really be indoor pets. The domestic cats that are allowed to go outside kill four billion birds in the U.S. alone. It's an environmental disaster if you're letting your cat go outside. Everybody's cat should be inside, and they do good inside. Do me a favor, pay your electricity bill. I worry about you sitting there alone in the dark on that chair. I got plenty of light. I'm just, you know, I just want to make sure everybody was making a lot of noise earlier. But Give us the website. People can find you everywhere on the internet. Yeah, YouTube is the best place to find me. That's Peter Kane Dog Training, and my last name's spelled C-A-I-N-E. Good to talk to you, brother. Nice talking to you guys, too. You may find this a bit disturbing. He held me. Go! Triple M, the rubber room.